You've probably heard me talk about my dog, Jackson. He's my baby boy. And as he's gotten older, he's gotten really finicky about eating. He used to get so excited about food, he'd literally spin. Well, not anymore. In fact, I often have to spoon feed him to get him to eat. Well, no more. Not since we started feeding him fresh food made with whole ingredients, backed by veterinary science. It's Nom Nom. Now, I actually tried making food for him myself. I'd cook up big batches of chicken or beef with vegetables and rice or potatoes. But without knowing what I was doing, he wasn't getting the vitamins and minerals he needed and certainly not in the correct balance. That's all changed now with Nom Nom. Go to trynom.com, T-R-Y-N-O-M.com slash Nicole. They'll ask you some questions about your pup and tailor a specific amount of individually packaged Nom Nom meals and send them to you. By using my special URL, trynom.com slash Nicole, you'll get 50% off of your first order, plus free shipping, and it's a great way to help support this show too. Again, that's trynom.com slash Nicole. plus Nom Nom comes with a money-back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, Nom Nom will refund your first order. No fillers, no nonsense, just Nom Nom. The following program contains graphic material, including offensive language. Viewer discretion is advised. This is Jackson Brown, and you're listening to The Nicole Sandler Show. Hey, this is John from Five for Fighting, and you got my buddy, my longtime friend, the lovely Nicole Sandler. Hi, this is Donald Fagan. And this is Walter Becker. You know, Steely Dan. And you're listening to Nicole Sandler. Hey, this is Jake Slichter. John Munson. Dan Wilson. We are Semisonic. And you're listening to Nicole Sandler. Hi, this is Melissa Etheridge, and you're listening to my friend, Nicole Sandler. Hey, how you doing out there? This is Ziggy Marley, and you're listening to Nicole Sandler. Hey, everybody, this is Pat Monahan from the band Train, and you're listening to Nicole Sandler, my favorite on-air personality. The Nicole Sandler Show. Music to my ears. All right, we made it to a Friday, everybody! <laughs> Sorry about that. You can tell I'm in a musical mood because when I pull out that intro, uh, obviously I got music on the mind. So here's the deal. Today's Friday. The weekend is here. It's so close we can taste it. For me, it's 59 minutes away. So um, tonight I'm really excited because a, a band that I used to love, well, I still love them, but I hadn't seen them I honestly didn't even know that they were still together, are playing here in Fort Lauderdale. The band is called the Young Dubliners. And back when I was in L.A., they uh, they were just starting up. And a friend of mine who worked at a label, not, not the label that the Young Dubs were on, but a different label, said, you got to come with me. We're going to this club in Santa Monica. Because this band, the Young Dubliners, is playing. And it's like Celtic rock. But you you can't really describe it. You just got to go. And it was a thing. Every Saturday night, they would play at this club on Wilshire Boulevard in Santa Monica. Or Santa Monica Boulevard. I, I can't remember. One, one of the two. Um, and actually, Keith Roberts, the lead singer of the band, owned the club. And he owned the club because he won it in a card game. So <laughs> they would play there every Saturday night. And it turned into a thing. And there was like a... A jig pit, as I so dubbed it, that would go on because you can't sit still when they're playing. So long story short, I'm looking at the listings a couple of weeks ago and I see the young Dubliners are playing at the Broward Center. I was shocked and I'm like, okay. So I I go through my old messages and I, I pull up Keith Roberts' 
info and I sent him an email and I said, I'm in Fort Lauderdale. You're coming here. And so he, they played on the same cruise that Dave Mason was on last week. And, uh, and tonight they're playing here. So we're going to go see them. Now I was hoping that Keith would come on and maybe we'll do an interview before the show. Well, I got a message from him this morning and he said, uh, damn cruise. He came off the cruise yesterday with just not feeling well. It's not COVID. (laughs) So that's good. But he said, uh, let's see if I can get the message up for you. He said, um, uh, uh, da, da, da. Uh, he said, uh, I'm, uh, I'm so sorry. Uh, we got back yesterday morning at the crack. I wish I could do an Irish accent because it would work better that way. The crack of dawn, but I have a nasty little cough going. I went to bed immediately at the hotel, slept straight through until now. Bloody cruise ships. My voice is tough as hell. But if I stay quiet today, I should be okay by showtime. Uh, and then he said, I'd love to do your show, but now is probably not a good day. So I've got you all plus one. It will call. I'll double check exact start time and be right next to you. So we're going to go see him uh, tonight. But I've thought, you know, this is a show. It's in Fort Lauderdale. So anybody listening can still go. There are tickets available. So at the end of the program, I'll end it with a, you know, a, a, a show from the, the uh, Wayback Machine. We'll go back to October of 1995. Because that's how far back I go with these guys. And I'll share with you a little of the music and you'll see why I'm so excited. And you'll get turned on to the Young Dubliners and they're on tour. So you may just see them where you are. And actually, they'll be in Ireland for uh, in March. So maybe I, I have to let, um, <laughs> let Marcy Wheeler know. Maybe she can go see them there. Anyway, before we get to the Young Dubs and the music and the weekend... We have some business to take care of. First thing I want to start with is quickly, the job numbers were huge. So can I just say to the Fed, would you stop, please stop raising interest rates? Joe Biden was out there today touting the great job numbers, and yet they they cut the interest rates. Um, Bob White says YouTube won't let Randy play music because of copyright. Well, here's the thing. Certain bands, I, I've gotten copyright violated. I, um, I've been suspended from streaming on YouTube. They've cut off my revenue. Um, so now I'm kind of careful with what I play. Negative 16 degrees. It's cold out there. Sorry, kinky streets. And I'm here in a, you know, a tank top dress. And it's, it's 84 degrees right now at 5.06 p.m. Sorry, just you have to know why I'm sitting here sweating. Because it's hot here. I feel for you, but that's, that's, so it is. Uh, anyway, so I have to be very careful when I play music. What happens is they take any ad revenue that I might get from the ads that YouTube shows. And you know what? It's the price I pay. She's, I guess, not willing to take that chance. Uh, I lose a couple of bucks a show if I play some music. But with the Young Dubliners, I don't think... They were not on a major label, and I don't know who owns their publishing. I guess I'll find out. We'll see. I'm taking a chance, but I think we'll be okay because the Young Dubliners were not 
a major label band. So we'll see. Yeah, the Eagles, I will not play. The Eagles certainly will not play anything from Don Henley. Uh, you'll notice I steer clear of them. So I'm, I'm selective at what I play. Okay, more about that later. I do want to, before we move on and get John Nichols of The Nation on the line, because of an article he wrote today about what happened to Ilhan Omar, I do want to bring you up to date on what happened yesterday. Remember, Howie Klein was here. And he mentioned that Mark Takano, Congressman Mark Takano, had a post going up at downwithtyranny.com this morning or last night, whenever it went up. So I want to share that with you because he makes a lot of sense about this vote, uh, this 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 Republican gaslighting um, vote on socialism. So first, before I read you the piece, here's Mark Takano on the floor of the House yesterday, making his case. Mr. Speaker, this resolution is not about socialism. It is about political cynicism. No one in this chamber would defend the atrocities committed by murderous communist ideologues such as Mao Zedong or Fidel Castro. But that is not what this resolution is about. This resolution is about conflating some of our most cherished social safety net programs with so-called socialism. Yep. With this resolution, Republicans demonize Social Security, on which more than 46 million retirees rely today. Republicans demonize Medicare, Mm -hmm. which has saved the lives of countless Americans. And Republicans demonize many other federal programs, including benefits offered to our nation's veterans. Harry Truman was right when he said, socialism is a scare word that Republicans have hurled at every advance people have made in the last 20 years. I strongly urge my colleagues to oppose this resolution. I yield back. There you go. That's Mark Takano, congressman from the, I think, the Riverside area of California. Is that right? Riverside County. Yep. Uh, including the city of Riverside. He's also the ranking Democrat on the Veterans Affairs Committee and a member of the Education and Labor Committee. And he wrote a piece, It's Up and Down with Tyranny. Um, and let me just read to you a little a little uh, segment of it, because you heard what he said there. He said, this resolution is about conflating some of our most cherished social safety net programs with so-called socialism. With this resolution, Republicans demonize Social Security, which was created to help elderly Americans avoid starvation during the Great Depression and on which more than 46 million retirees rely today. Republicans demonize Medicare, which has saved the lives of countless Americans since it was born out of Johnson's Great Society, itself an effort to showcase the superiority of American freedom to communist totalitarianism. And Republicans have demonized other federal programs as socialist in the past, including the benefits offered to our nation's veterans, such as VA health care, home loans, burial benefits, and anti-homelessness programs. So um, he ends it by saying, when someone shows you who they are, Believe them. Believe Republicans when they tell you they want to cut Medicare. Believe Republicans when they tell you they want to cut Social Security. Believe Republicans when they tell you they want to balance the budget on the backs of everyday Americans. Don't believe Republicans when they decry socialism. This is a clear act of hypocrisy and an attempt to distract the American people from their failure to help real people in need. Thank you, Congressman Mark Takano.
All right. So now I'm going to turn to The Nation magazine and get John Nichols on the line. He's a national correspondent for The Nation. And uh, we do it the old-fashioned way with, with John Nichols. So let's, uh, let's get him on the phone. One ringy-dingy. Hopefully he answers. <laughs> this is how we used to do it every day, right? And just pray that the person I'm calling is going to answer. Maybe. John Nichols. And there he is. Hey, John Nichols, it's Nicole Sandler calling. How you doing? I'm very well. How are you? I'm uh, hanging in there, hanging in there. Interesting start to the new year, huh? Well, it's a wild start. We don't really get a break anymore, do we? No. I, you know what? I, it used to be like August was a slow news month. There's, right. there's no more snow, slow news days, let alone months. just doesn't happen That's anymore. That's totally right. I've thought about that a lot recently, that, you know, there used to be times where I think things sort of quieted down. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm, by the way, I'm hearing a lot of uh, my voice coming back at me, just so you know. Oh, no. Um, yeah. Is... Um, not a bad thing, but okay. just so you're aware. All right. Um, Sorry about but, that. Uh, that's okay. Anyways, um, uh, but yeah, I've thought about that a lot recently. And I think that, that the lack of time for sort of a reset every once in a while is a problematic thing, right? Yeah. Because if you're just it's you're sort of feverish, you're going from one crisis to the next. Right. Well, and and now this is crisis time. I mean, with with the Republicans having control of the House now, it's not just that the Republicans are um, anti-democracy and uh, bad on so many levels. It's that the crazy caucus is in control that that, you know, uh, Kevin McCarthy wanted to be speaker so badly that he, he sold what was left of his soul to the most extreme of the crazies in the caucus. So now it, it's insanity going on there. Um, you have, have a lot more leverage. A lot yeah. more leverage, right? And so, John Nichols, yeah. you have a piece today that went uh, live at thenation.com. Elon Omar will not be silenced. So yesterday, they conflated her statements and, and were exacting revenge, I guess, on the fact that the Democrats yeah. kicked Marjorie Taylor Greene off of committees for good reason in the last Congress, and they kicked her off of the House Foreign Affairs Committee. Um, you call it a, a petty and cruel. Uh, yeah, I'd say that, but you, you say she's not going anywhere. That's right. I mean, all these things are true. Look, um, here's the thing to understand. Uh, Kevin McCarthy knew full well that Ilhan Omar um, had earned her place on the, on the Foreign Affairs Committee and that she had served very admirably in that position. Now, that doesn't mean she didn't make mistakes. When she was a a newcomer to Congress in her right in her yep. you know, first weeks in Congress, she said some things that caused controversy, a lot of controversy. She was criticized by Democrats and Republicans. Mm-hmm. She immediately apologized and, you know, explained, you know, that she was well intended, but, you know, said things in ways that she that she regretted. Um, and that was that. And what was interesting was that in the months and years that followed, uh, she became uh, a highly regarded member of the Foreign Affairs Committee. Yeah, I remember Foreign Affairs was chaired by Elliot Engel oh, yeah. uh, from New York. And Elliot Engel probably disagreed with her on, you know, a whole. we know he disagreed with her on a whole range of issues. They were not on the same page. Mm-hmm. And yet 
they developed a very strong working relationship. And, um, and, and that was true also of Republicans on the committee. There were Republicans on the committee who talked about what a great job she did. Um, and so you end up in this situation where it's very clear that the Republican gripes about Ilhan Omar aren't really rooted in the things that they're saying, right? The, the official arguments for why they want to get rid of her. They're rooted in a revenge, right? Yeah. That they're mad that Democrats held Marjorie Taylor Greene and Paul Gosar to account. And so now they're saying, oh, well, we'll do that to you guys. And right. in this case, it's especially damaging because Ilhan Omar is a unique member of the Foreign Affairs Committee. Mm-hmm. As a refugee, a child refugee from Somalia who lived a number of years in refugee camps before she came to the United States, who proudly integrated into the whole American experience, went to college at uh, University of North Dakota um, and, uh, you know, like, like embraced this country, became a citizen um, and then accomplished a great deal, became a legislator and then a member of Congress. I mean, She's someone who has experiences in her own life from her childhood, uh, from her refugee experience, from her, you know, coming to the U.S. and becoming a part of the U.S. uh, that makes her a a uniquely special member of uh, the Foreign Affairs Committee. Of course. Kicking her off does harm to the committee. It does harm to the Congress, right? It's a bad, bad move. And yet, even though there were many members of Congress, many senior members of Congress, like James, James McGovern from uh, uh, Massachusetts, the head of the rule, or mm-hmm. former head of the Rules Committee, who said, you know, look, this is just bad. This is something you shouldn't do. The Republicans refused to go along. They refused to listen. And so they cast a united vote against, uh, against her and in favor of taking her off the committee. Um, but the reality of this experience, what we've just gone through watching the Congress is that Americans are probably more aware today of Ilhan Omar as a serious, thoughtful, hardworking member of foreign affairs than they were before. And so far from going away, far from being, you know, pushed to the sidelines or marginalized by this, I think, as she said yesterday, um, her voice will grow louder and clearer. People people are going to hear her. And she is able, as a now multi-term member of Congress, to make herself heard, you know, to, to speak on issues. And I think she'll continue to do so. It's, it's clearly close to her heart. So this isn't something that she's going to just abandon because she's not on the committee. Um, but again, that brings us back to the core concept here. Um, she is not harmed all that badly by what they've done to her. It's just cruel and petty, as I said. Yep. But the committee is harmed. It loses a critical voice. It loses um, insight that would be beneficial to the Foreign Affairs Committee and by extension, beneficial to the Congress and beneficial to the United States. Sure. So this is a really sad chapter. It's a really sad chapter for Congress. It it really is, John. And here's the thing. You know, they keep trying to do this false equivalency thing. But what Ilhan Omar is accused of her 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 moment of I'm Jewish. And her uh-huh. saying that um, our support for Israel is all about the Benjamins, mm-hmm. isn't, that's not anti-Semitic. I mean, you can call it a lot of things. Um, it may be inflammatory, but 
that's 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 not anti-Semitic. I, and so, and, and it's nothing near what Marjorie Taylor Greene was kicked out of committees for doing, or Roy Paul Paul Gosar was taken off a committee. He, as as um, AOC said in her floor speech yesterday, you know, they my life was threatened, and I still haven't gotten an apology. And what you know, this is ridiculous. I mean, it really is. It's well, a farce. And, and the important thing to understand is. And I've interviewed Congresswoman Omar many times mm-hmm. and in many different settings. We've talked a lot about her service on the Foreign Affairs Committee. And look, when she was a new member of Congress, she tweeted and said some things that were interpreted as being over the line. Right. She was criticized by Democrats and Republicans yep. for that. Yep. She heard that criticism. She and she apologized. You know, go to her right. corner. Exactly. Unequivocally. Right. Right. And, and so she heard that criticism. She took it in as she said, I appreciate my colleagues coming to me and telling me they were offended, telling me they didn't like the way I was expressing some of these opinions. And I learned from that. She, she was very, very clear on this. And if you know her, if you've been around her, you know that that's, that's very much who she is. She is somebody who is willing to talk to people that she fundamentally disagrees with. She is willing to hear all sides. Um, she's, she is actually a, a remarkably conciliatory person. Um, and uh, that's one of the sad parts about this whole thing, because the, the image is that, you know, somehow she would be equivalent to these folks who are really, you know, going to extremes unapologetically, um, pushing every button, trying to, trying to, you know, stir things up in the, right. in the, in the worst of ways. That's not who she is. No. Even when she spoke about Israel-Palestine issues, she was doing so because, as she has said, she wanted to highlight the condition of the Palestinians. And now there are plenty of people. In fact, interestingly enough, there were people who spoke yesterday who said that they disagreed with her. Yes, there were some speakers yesterday who said they fundamentally disagreed with her. Some Democrats. On, on exactly. some of her stance. Yep. Oh, yeah, that's yep. what I'm talking about. Exactly. Most, most yep. Democrats, yeah. Yep. Who said they fundamentally disagreed with her and, and went into some detail about it, that they're on different pages, that they're on different caucuses, that they, but who said, especially most notable on this was Dean Phillips from that's Minnesota. That's right. Yep. Uh, who said, you know, as a Jewish member of Congress, um, you know, I don't want this to be where our relationships end up. Right. Mm -hmm. Where if you disagree with someone um, that somehow you have to push them to the sidelines that you can't you can't and won't communicate with them, that you won't, you know, respect the fact that you could learn from them and they could learn from you. And um, and in fact, I will say this, Nicole, many of the speeches yesterday were incredibly good. Oh, I played a bunch of them on the air. They were they were they were wonderful. they were rare in the sense mm-hmm. that they, they brought some of the, the deepest thinking and, and the, the deepest search for ways to express your values out. And, and it, was a, it was a good dialogue, you know what I mean, on the part of, of many of the Democrats who got up and spoke on her behalf. Mark Pocan was very poignant. AOC was very she poignant. She was and very, very much so. In fact, I think in many ways AOC sort of set the tone for the, for the discussion uh, with, a, with a very strong initial speech there. And, but at the end of the day, I will say that the most powerful speech of all yesterday was, was Ilhan Omar's. Oh. <laughs> and, 
Yeah. That was that was an incredible speech. And it was very much one where she opened up, right? Where she talked about being a child in a refugee camp. She showed a picture of her nine year old self yeah. in that refugee mm-hmm. camp. You know, that was on the screen the whole time. That's it. And you understand where that's coming from, yeah. right? That she knows something that a lot of us don't because mm-hmm. we haven't been in that circumstance. But that when you were in a refugee camp, when you have been dislodged from your own country for whatever reason, you wonder if anybody cares about you, if anybody in the world is paying attention to your circumstance. Sure. And if you're there for year after year, um, that, that uncertainty, that concern, that fear grows greater, right? And so she was speaking about something that goes to the heart of her service on that committee, which is having someone on the committee who knows that who understands how important it is simply to bring up the fact that you know there are refugees in some part of Africa or some part of Asia, uh, some part of Latin America um, that are not being paid attention to, that you are paying attention to them, you're concerned about them, you want to make sure that governments don't uh, push them aside. Right, but... But but Pardon. John John Nichols, what you're pointing out there is so important because she does have that empathy. The Republicans don't. I don't think they care what the refugee, what the political asylum seeker is going through. They seem to have no interest in finding out or worrying about those people. All they want to do is close our borders. Well, in fact, look, we understand this pretty well because I mean, that was such a central part of, um, you know, Donald Trump's first and, yep. and to a large extent, second campaigns for the presidency. You know, these explicit statements of disregard for immigrants, for refugees, for people who are in difficult situations. And so um, it, it's, you know, I really want to emphasize this isn't what the Republican Party always was. Mm-hmm. Historically, there were Republicans who understood uh, the importance of a foreign policy that maybe they disagreed with Democrats on some issues, but they understood the importance of a foreign policy that had an element of humanity in it, oh, yeah. that had an element of concern. And when I, I can tell you so many stories, as somebody who's, you know, over the years covered a lot of politics, I can tell you so many stories of remarkable coalitions that have come together rooted in sometimes religious tradition, right? People mm-hmm. who are, you know, deeply Christian, deeply Muslim, deeply Jewish, who, you know, find a place of common ground with someone they disagree with, but they say, oh, you know, my humanity or my religious faith, which teaches me to care for the stranger, um, tells me that I must work with you across lines of partisanship and ideology. That used to happen in Congress more often than you thought. What I see here, what I see going on, is sort of a driving of the wedge, you know? And the people, I can tell you, I can tell you without a doubt, there were Republicans who voted for this resolution yesterday. Yeah. Who know it was a bad idea. Oh, without a doubt. They even said it up front, and but they got their caucus together to stay united to do something stupid and horrible. You know? Well, yeah, and, and in fact, there were members like Nancy Mace who initially gave very strong signals that they, they were not going to go along yeah, with this. And, and frankly, frankly, if they had, if they'd had the courage to, to hold out, um, this wouldn't have happened because right. the Republican majority is so small. And because, again, this is a sub story of this. It's pretty interesting. Because the Democrats pulled together so 
completely on this issue. And that's a big deal because four years ago, you had a lot of Democrats who were deeply critical of Ilhan Omar, right? Who, you know, said that things she had said uh, were so unacceptable that they really, they clearly distanced themselves from her. They, right. they, I think in some cases they fell into the Republican trap of misinterpreting some of what she said. But the bottom line was there was a gap there. Right. Four years of service together, right, where they've actually been, you know, working on issues through the pandemic, through everything, has created a, a lot of regard for her. Yeah, on right. the Democratic side, and good because as we've gotten to know her, we see she's a very thoughtful, very smart, capable mm-hmm. woman who's doing a great job. The people in Minnesota love her, and that includes a big Jewish constituency in her district. Without a doubt, and and in fact, I think it's very notable that that many of the people who spoke yesterday um, were people who might once have had a real difference with her. Yeah, yeah, but but who had this. What is a good thing about Congress? You know, when you put 435 people in the same space, uh-huh. they are supposed to get to know each other. Right. And they're supposed to grow, right? Yeah. They're supposed, they're supposed to, to, you know, learn from one another. And good is supposed to come of that, right? right. That's, that's the only way Congress can work. Well, on the Democratic side, you saw some real evidence of it uh, yesterday. And it was, <laughs> I think it was a, quite a positive thing. Unfortunately... You saw that on the Republican side, even though I think there are Republicans who fully knew this was a bad idea, um, you saw partisanship win out. With, without a doubt. But, John, I, I need to ask you about something else, because you just said sure. about the Democrats who fell into the Republicans' trap. That's yep, what happened. They did it what, on another issue yesterday. Oh, my yeah. God. This vote on the horrors, the horrors of socialism. Oh, are you kidding me? A hundred and nine Democrats fell for the Republicans gaslighting nonsense and voted with them, including Hakeem Jeffries, who delivered a great speech before the vote, explaining why this whole thing was a sham. Well, in fact, all the leadership, um, you know, went the wrong way. And yeah. it's you, you, uh, when you're talking about this, we, you know, we wonder where where motivations come from and where thinking comes from. And, and, you know, we were talking a little bit about our, you know, our spiritual traditions, right. Our, you know, whether you're whatever religious tradition you come from um, that, and, and, you know, I, I think there are also ideological traditions, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. And all of these things matter. They all have ways in shaping us. Right. And I know full well that there are many members of Congress who are very strongly anti-communist mm-hmm. and, very and very strongly anti-socialist. Now, the difference in communism and socialism is really important. Really important. And vital to understand. And, and they, they don't this, talk about it. Well, this resolution conflated the two. Yes. Right. Yes. And which was absurd. It was yes. a, it was an absurd statement in and of itself. But understanding that people might have real differences there. Well, I have to tell you something. I've got some fundamental differences with libertarians. Me too. <laughs> There's a lot of things, there's some things libertarians say and do that I agree with, mm-hmm. right? I, I love that they oppose the drug war. I love that they've often been in favor of ending mass incarceration. I love some of their concern about the military industrial complex. There's many things libertarians, I can, I can agree with them. But when they're talking about, you know, like really basically shutting down public education, yeah. uh, getting rid of Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, well, I disagree with them, right? Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't say 
I wouldn't vote for a resolution that says we condemn libertarianism. <laughs> right. You know, I would say I, you know, there's parts of libertarianism I agree with, parts of it I disagree with. Let's have an argument. Right. Let's have a fight. But to you condemn know, let's, it. Let's, and let's what, do, you sh- what shouldn't they have used that time instead of the stupid vote and going along with their gaslighting to say, you know what, let's take this as a learning moment and talk about the difference between communism, socialism, fascism. Let's talk about all the isms because they seem to get them all mixed up all the time. Let's learn well, what they really mean. Well, and let's understand yes. that people are going to have differences. They're going to disagree about of course. You know, these different isms. But here's the fundamental thing. When they were up there saying, for instance, um, that they don't want socialism ever to be tried in the United States, well, I have news for them. It's it was there. tried. It has been tried. Medicare, Democratic. Social Security. <laughs> well, also, socialists have been elected yeah. oh. to positions for more than 100 years in this country, mm-hmm. have served in Congress, have served in the Senate, have served in state positions, have served in cities. In fact, next year, the Republican National Convention will be in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, a city that elected three socialist mayors in the Ooh. 20th century, <laughs> and it still sends two Democratic socialists to the Wisconsin legislature. Look at that. So they're literally coming to a city that has a deep experience with socialism. And in fact, the biggest bridge in Milwaukee, the big bridge down by the waterfront, I shouldn't say the biggest, I think it's, it's certainly one of the biggest, huge bridge along the waterfront is the Daniel Hone Bridge. It's named after the longest serving socialist mayor of Milwaukee. And so far from seeing it as some sort of evil or horror, you know, Milwaukee honors its socialists. Yeah. And that's where Republicans are going to be holding their convention next year. Wow. So there was so much deep ignorance in this resolution. And again, such an effort to try and shut down ideas you disagree with. Yes. And that's where you see sort of a linkage between these two things um, with, you know, trying to kick Omar off the committee, uh, saying, you know, condemning the horrors of socialism. And like you're saying, the Democrats got their act together and were very, very good on defending Ilhan Omar. Yes. Right, yesterday. They, they did a good job there. But on but this. They did a lousy job on oh this one. Oh, my God. And, and they fell into the trap. And as someone said to him, uh, one of the members, uh, I thought very wisely, said, you know, they're going to call you socialist no matter how you voted on this. Right. right? <laughs> it doesn't matter. Right. I mean, that's. That's going to be the game. That's what they're going to do. Because they don't know what the word means or they intentionally misconstrue it to confuse their constituents even more. I mean, you can't talk, you know, Debbie Wasserman Schultz is a socialist, just like Bernie Sanders. I don't think so. But that's what they'll say regardless. It didn't matter. They called Joe Biden a socialist. No matter who the nominee was, it was going to be a socialist, whether it was Bernie, who actually is, or Joe Biden, who isn't. Right? That's exactly right. And. You know, the bottom line is this. Um, Harry Truman said it best back mm-hmm. in the early 1950s. He gave a speech and he said, you know, every time the Democrats do something good that's popular, the Republicans say it's socialism. Yeah. Whether it's Social Security, whether it's, you know, loans for students, whether it's, you know, weatherization of houses, whatever it is, if the government's doing it, there's going to be some Republican that calls it socialism. That's, and Truman said back in the early 50s, and this is in the midst of the Red Scare, he said, look, we just can't fall for that. We got to get over it, right? We got to, we have to 
face the reality of our circumstance and, you know, recognize they're going to say that and go ahead and do the good stuff, right? Because at the end of the day, the measure of a successful political party is that it delivers on things that the people need. Yep. And the fact of the matter is that some of the things that the people need have been defined out by our libertarian friends, right? You know, we do need to end the drug war. We do need um, to look at, at the crisis of mass incarceration. We do need to look at an out-of-control Pentagon budget, things like that. Libertarians talk about that. So gain from them, learn from them. But there are also some things that socialists talk about, like single-payer, Medicare-for-all, health care yep. that we need, Yep. right? Yep. And if you're going to form, you don't have to be a libertarian to recognize libertarian says some things that are right. You don't have to be a socialist to recognize a socialist says some things that are right. And if you're a savvy member of Congress, no matter where you stand on the ideological spectrum, you recognize that you're going to borrow some from here, some from there. Sure. You're going to compromise some and you're going to actually govern. Right? right. Right. But what's happening in our Congress now with resolutions like this? is essentially a message that, frankly, they don't want to govern. Nope. They, they're much more interested in these, you know, bad political theater moments, which we had two of yesterday. Yeah, and they're and continuing. Which, frankly, we're going to have a bunch more of. Today, they want, they're arguing over, they want to be able to be armed on the floor of the, the, floor of the house. They want to be able yeah. to take their guns on the floor of the house, they and, and they're saying you. Th- then you have a problem. You think that one of your colleagues is going to be a, a a psychopathic killer? Name names. Well, they're not allowed to name names. I mean, the whole thing is well, just and they shouldn't. And they should right. You know, look. Here's the bottom line, uh, and this happens for Democrats and Republicans, by the way. We have we fall into this trap of thinking the, the other side is just flat out evil. Yeah. Right. Yep. And you know, I tell you a little story. Um, Jamie Raskin, who's one of the, one of, I think, most outstanding members love, of Congress. Love, love Jamie measure. Raskin. Love, love, love. And he's going through a cancer treatment right I now. know. It's very serious. I know. And, you know, he's, he's, uh, it's a very serious cancer treatment. One of the first people to reach out and not only to wish him well, but to talk about a personal experience in her own life was Marjorie Taylor Greene. Really? Yeah. And, and Jamie Raskin came back to her and said, you know, thank you. You know, I, I, I recognize that, you know, like, like it wasn't that they're going to be on the same side of any page. They may even find themselves yelling at each other before the week is done. Sure. Right. Right. But what I tell you here is there was a moment of humanity there. Right. And where people could rise above partisanship and ideology and. Until um, they until the they scream until they scream that he has to take the, the head covering off his head. Well, really? That's yeah, that's, that's what I mean. It's like you see behind the scenes, right? You see the uh, behind the scenes. Yep. People actually acting as human beings. And then when they get in front of those cameras, cameras. they literally suddenly become, you know, robotic. Right. And 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 often in the most divisive and most absurd way, clearly they are trying to rev up their constituency, yep. right? Yep. And, um, and I, I just think that, that this is something that is ruining Congress. 
Yeah. Now, if you're a Republican, some Republicans uh, who position themselves as being anti-government, right, or at least pretty much against government, they don't mind that. They don't mind that Congress is rendered dysfunctional, right? I think a lot of our elites, a lot of our economic elites don't really mind if Congress doesn't get much done because they're already, you know, benefiting. We have a huge income inequality in America, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we have huge corporate profits in America. So I, I suppose there are some people who would like, who don't mind if Congress doesn't function, right? Who can accept that. But for the great mass of Americans, they need Congress to function. Right. They need it to be a, a body where even if people don't, you know, really get together on everything, that they can get together at least on some things mm-hmm. that are fundamental and that are necessary. What's happening in this Congress is we are seeing a wedge being driven that makes it very, very hard for things to get done. Yeah. Almost impossible. I hear you. And as a country, we can't really afford two years of dysfunction. We've got a lot of things that we should be working on. Yeah, but do you think that this Congress, anything will get done with this leadership nope. in the Republic? Yeah, me either. I think this is nope. going to be two years nope. of push and pull and ugliness and vindictiveness, and I'm really not looking forward to it. And that's on Kevin McCarthy. Yes, well, that's it's all on, on Kevin, Kevin McCarthy, McCarthy. Because he does not know how to lead no. his own caucus. That's right. That's right. It's not about even the Congress as a whole. It's his own caucus. It's him. Yeah. Because and, and his failure um, leads to a failure of Congress. And I will tell you something. Ilhan Omar said in her speech yesterday that being off this committee for two years isn't going to isn't going to silence her. It isn't going to be that problem. Notably, she mentioned the two years. Yep. Because the fact of the matter is they'll only last two years. Exactly. If he keeps managing Congress in this way, it is unimaginable that the voters will, you know, even relatively conservative voters. That's right. We decide that it's a good idea to leave Congress in the hands of these people. That's right. And and you know what? Let the party keep going the way they're going. That after this election, they're doubling down on on abortion uh, rights. They're, they're, you know, here in Florida, we could do a whole show on this. You know, DeSantis is going over the top. Good. Let him keep showing who he is. Let the country see what a bully, what a really mean, vindictive, ugly person he is. And that that's what they want. I think the American yeah. people were rejected wholly. Well, I can tell you this. He isn't going to be the Republican oh, nominee. No. And he it shouldn't is, be. Because, I, you know, I tell you, you know who will circle around him and, and you know, beat him on, from both sides. Trump. Down Trump. Yes, yeah. I know. So I know. he isn't going to be the Republican nominee. He yep. certainly isn't going to be president of the United States. No. Um, and the, the tragedy of it for somebody as ambitious as DeSantis is that if he, if he was a little more humane, um, you know, he might be a competitive player. Yep. But I can tell you right now, he has done so many things that will make him uh, an impossible sell. Oh, yeah. Across the upper Midwest, you know. He's not somebody who's going to to electrify voters no. in in <laughs> Michigan. Nope. No, I mean, nope. it's not going to happen. Not at all. And I, I, good. I hope he keeps doing it. It kills me listening to this man. And, and we're leaving Florida mostly because of him. But um, yeah, I can't wait till he leaves the stage and we don't ever have to hear his name again because he's an evil <laughs> man. Um, John Nichols, I, I got to let you go and I got to run. Mm-hmm. Did uh, One question, though. did You you didn't do a, a progressive honor roll this year, huh? I did do one. Oh, you did? I did. 
I missed it. I yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. Well, it's we'll, we've got to get one out to you. Yes. And, uh, it's I notable that uh, we had we had a lot of women on it this year. Oh, good. Okay, I'll look for well, it. Well, they then, pretty then. much they held the they held the the flag high in, in 2022. <laughs> well, good. Women are we're finally uh, you know <laughs> finally speaking up. <laughs> it's not finally. It's been forever, I know. I'm saying that facetiously. Finally, finally being heard. <laughs> I hear you, John Nichols. Find him at the Nation. Uh, it's always great to talk to you. We'll have to do it again soon because it's been too long. Thank you so much. I, honor to talk to you. Thanks so much Always for, for me me too. Thank you. Bye, John. Okay. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. Uh, okay. So, so thank John Nichols is great. I just, I could, uh, you know, we could talk for hours. I could keep picking his brain and it, we didn't have enough time allotted today. We'll, we'll change that next time. Um, but today, now it's the weekend. The weekend is here. So we're going to change gears for a moment. Um, Bruce Springsteen embarked on his new world tour this week. It started Tuesday night in Tampa, Florida. I have seen Bruce Springsteen on every tour since the river. And that might end now because of this whole Ticketmaster dynamic pricing thing. When tickets went on sale here and and he's playing here this coming Tuesday night in a small venue, well, relatively small, called the Hard Rock Live. Um, it's at that guitar hotel, if you've seen ads for it, which is not far from here. In the Hard Rock, I couldn't get tickets. I couldn't even get through. If I had, I would have left empty-handed because this dynamic pricing makes tickets so expensive. I believe that live music is like air, water, and sustenance. It's food. I need it. I know the old saying, music has charms to soothe the savage breast. I used to think it was beast. It's not beast. It's breast. Um, But anyway, uh, I'm bummed because Bruce is going to be here Tuesday night, and it looks like I'm not going. (laughs) Kinky says, I've got an unused Bruce ticket from 1975. And the the, the face value on that's probably $10. So anyway, um, I'm hoping that... Something might change before Tuesday or certainly by the second leg of the tour when I'm out in Arizona because he hasn't hit the West Coast on this first leg of the tour that maybe I'll get to go. But I'm jonesing for music. And so um, the weekend is here. I'm going to see one of my old favorite bands, a band called the Young Dubliners, um, who I used to play on the radio in Los Angeles. And so we're going to go into the musical mode here. If you are in South Florida... And you got no plans for tonight. The Broward Center. You know, they've got two theaters in the Broward Center. They've got the O. Renee Theater. That's the big room. They have the Amaturo Theater. That's the smaller room. And now they've got this new River Abdo room that I never even heard of before. But apparently it's like club size. And that's where the Young Dubliners are playing tonight. They go on at 830. I believe there are still tickets available. And I'm going to take the rest of this show to share with you some Celtic rock uh, with an American uh, flavor. I wanted Keith Roberts to come on today uh, to do an interview, but he just came off this this uh, cruise and his throat's all scratchy, so he's saving his voice. He'll, they'll come on another time, but I thought what we'd do for the remainder of the show is get in our Wayback Machine and go back to, oh, David, you know the Young Dubliners. Yes, David N. in the chat room. I could count on him. Young Dubs are great. 
this will give you a little taste. We're going to go back to October of 1995. By the way, I have my smoothie machine plugged in my 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 Jet Blend 2 plugged in over there cuz I forgot to charge it last night when I went to start the the thing uh, the, the the charge had run out. But I'm making another blueberry smoothie that I will enjoy while I'm listening to the Young Dubliners. Remember, um, the BlendJet 2, it's available now. If you go to BlendJet.com and put sent by Nicole 12 in the promo code area, you'll get 12% off and free two-day shipping. Take your little BlendJet with you wherever you go and have a smoothie. Uh, you can enjoy it at the beach, at the office, in the studio when you're listening to the Young Dubliners. So um, for those of you who've bought them already, you know it's a cool little machine. I, I you know, I love mine. So I'm going to go start this. We're going to go back in time to October of 1995 uh, to a radio station that doesn't exist anymore. It's called KSEA in Los Angeles. And I welcomed back to this to, to the music hall. Um, no, go away. Somebody's trying to call me now. Uh, to the Young Dubliners. All right. Take it away, Nicole. Younger, Nicole. Take it away, younger Nicole. Here we go. Here, there I am. Hi, we've moved into the music hall, uh, and I'm looking at LA's own Young Dubliners. It's good to have you guys back. Good to be back. Thanks for having us. Well, we got so used to having you as a, as a fixture here, and you've been on the road for the last few months, touring in support of your new album, Breathe. Yep. How's the tour going? Like a baby treats a diaper. No, it's been fine. It's been <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> okay, and that was Keith Roberts, who has such a way with words. You know what? Before we get started, you know, it's early for you guys. Some of you look very bleary-eyed. So why don't you do a song, and we'll pick up the energy in here a little bit. What are you going to start with? We'll start with uh, this our new single, Wash My Hands.
Dubliners in the music hall at FM 101.9. It's so there's seven of you in here with me in this tiny little room. So right. this door to the outer office is not usually open, but so we have the whole office out there just jamming. Everyone was dancing. <laughs> Wash my hands is that song. It's found on on the latest album Breathe from the Young Dubliners. And why don't we introduce everyone who's here? I guess we'll we'll start with the Irish guys. Yeah, start, start with the mouth, the mouthpieces. <laughs> okay, Keith Roberts um, on vocals and guitar, and Paul O'Toole. Mandolin. Now, did you two guys form the band together? Yep. The two of you? It formed. formed. Yeah. It we, formed around you. It formed between us. We, did, we had to travel 6,000 miles to meet each other, which is quite a shame when you consider we went all that way and still ended up meeting Paddy's in C'est la vie. Uh, so you didn't know each other in Ireland. You met here? No, thank God. And then, of course, there's Brent Holmes on bass, the other guy with the accent in the band. Another expatriate. <laughs> Okay, so you three are to my left in this tiny little room, and then we move over to the right. And on drums, it's John Maddox, and Randy Wolford is kind of off behind me on lead guitar and vocals. Um, and back, stuck in Rich's office back there, uh, kind of the jack-of-all-trades, is Jeff Delasante. Hi, Jeff! 
Hi, Jeff. Mm-hmm. And Jeff plays, you know, keyboard, saxophone, flute, kind of whatever you need to fill out a thing. Yeah, he's just one of those people. He hasn't mastered it yet, so we just keep moving him around on this. Just kidding, just kidding. That's not true. Keep that for the bedroom. And um, there's a new guy here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hi. Mark Epstein, hello. Mark Epstein on violin. Leaning on your shoulder here. Are, are you the third? Mark Epstein the third. That's right. <laughs> oh, you knew it was Dan and his granddad, did you? <laughs> I think I'm about the fiftieth fiddle player. <laughs> <laughs> we have this. Uh, we have this uh, revolving fiddle player Dorothy that we just put a jammer on now, though. Mark Hopefully is. Hopefully, this will be the last for a while. All right. So, Mark's in. Uh, you've been on tour, but you're back in town for a few shows tonight in Redondo Beach. That's right, at a, a very exclusive club called Senior Frogs. Senior Frogs, okay. <laughs> Tomorrow night you're at the right House it. of Blues. That's um, right. Papa Chubby will be opening. You're the headliners. Right. And your House of Blues shows are always a blast. Saturday night you go down to San Diego for the Belly Up. And yep. Tuesday night you kind of wrap up the Southern California stint in Long Beach at Live Bait. Yeah. <laughs> Getting a little bit of fish in before we split. <laughs> Frogs and fish. Now, you know, you have been, you're a Los Angeles staple, and, you know, it was a weekly thing for a while there. And there's a phenomenon that goes on at your shows. I, you know, a lot of shows you see, there's a mosh pit. But at Young Dubliner's shows, there's a jig pit. Yeah, that's right? a good word. Write that down, somebody. <laughs> I like that. Because... You know, there's a little bit of Irish flavor to all your music, but occasionally you'll just jam in with a real traditional, right. rocked-up version of, an, of a traditional Irish song. Yeah, yeah. and we've been and known to do that. In that- the pit, people are doing the jig, but jumping up and down. It's it's so. Do they do that when you're on the road? Yeah, they. It's funny, actually. We've we've been to different cities where people are sort of a little bit uh, surprised at first at the how how tradition we can get at certain times and they'll they'll cop onto the jumping up and down when they hear that but then w- when we go back the rumors already got their head of us that if you don't jump up and down you'll be made to jump up and down by somebody <laughs> beside you if people that see us in los angeles doing it then they, they spread it around yeah they spread the word well it does it's happen. like a nasty disease <laughs> you get to a different state like five people in the crowd might know it from the other. sometimes there are only five people in the crowd we know about. <laughs> well that's not the case here absolutely not but More than five in here, for Christ's sake. <laughs> That's right. It is cramped in here. It's yeah. funny. We, we had Ben Folds Five in here yesterday, and just the, the piano and the drums <laughs> filled up the room. And we got seven of you in here. That's, That's why we incredible. got rid of the piano. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're going to do another song for us? Yeah, we're going to do a song we've never actually played in our trips up here. This is also on our album. It's a song called Change the World. Young Dubliners in the Music Hall at FM 101.9.
Yeah. Young Dubliners on KSCA FM 101.9 in the music hall. Change the world. Good stuff. It's good to have you back, you guys. Nice to be back for a brief visit. Yeah, the album is called Breathe. It is available in your local record stores. And I'm going to pull this down. That was from 1995. Believe it or not, <laughs> 1995. Oh, man. All right, I'll tell you what. I- I'm going to give you one more. Oops, one more. Uh, I got to, where- where's that coming from? Where was that coming from? It looks like everything is turned down over here. Why do I still have audio coming through there? Because um, if I can, I'm going to play one more song, but I got to I gotta mute where wherever this is coming from. Um, uh, <laughs> so, all right, I can do one more. This was from, they joined us at a remote broadcast from a hard rock somewhere in, I want to say Orange County, California. Um, just to give you a taste of the more Irish type music they did. And again, if you're in, um, uh, in, in Fort Lauderdale area, come out and see them tonight at the Broward Center. Or if you're anywhere, go to youngdubliners.com and check and see if they're going to be near you because I promise you it's a fun show. All right, one more. The Young Dubs. Um, here.
Let's tell all the English tales to all the children of the gale beneath the burning banner. Rooster of a fighting stock. Would you let a Saxon cock crow out upon an Irish rod fly up and we teach a man? recorded live in front of an audience on a morning show radio remote broadcast from uh, a, a, a hard rock cafe in Orange County. Um, good times. <laughs> Again, Young Dubliners playing tonight at the Broward Center in Fort Lauderdale. They're on the road. Go to youngdubliners.com. Find them somewhere near you. And with that, we're done. Um, my sincerest sympathies for everyone in the cold right now. Um, stay warm this weekend. Don't go out. Just stay in. Listen to good music. Put a fire in the fireplace. Um, you know, drink some wine and and enjoy the inside warmth. Really, if you don't have to go out, don't. It's going to be brutal out there. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. I'll be back Monday. I'm going to go enjoy the Young Dubliners live. <laughs> thanks for listening. Um, have a great weekend, everyone. I'm not even going to leave you with the news because I got to go. All right. I'll see you Monday. Bye.